This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Over and Back Classic NBA Podcast. I am Jason Mann and with me as usual is Rich. Hello, Rich. Hey, how's it going? Pretty good. Pretty good. Um, We have uh, some news to talk about. Um, Anthony Bennett, former number one pick, was waived by the Brooklyn Nets and um, has not been a good uh, career for him. You very strong argument for him that he may be the worst uh, bust in for number one pick in uh, NBA history. Yeah, you said former uh, Brooklyn Nets. I think he's a former NBA player at this point too, because it's just it's hard to imagine now. You know, four teams in four years. Uh, obviously, the Cleveland Cavaliers seemed like so long ago that he was even on that team or even drafted number one. And you're really, you know, where does he go after this? What I mean, does anybody take a flyer on him? Do people take chances on him? Because he's been to different spots and he's been to even like a Brooklyn would be a perfect spot for him this year. You would assume, okay, here we're we're not going to be very good. We're kind of a developmental team. Here you go, and he hasn't really done anything even on Brooklyn. There's there's been talks about his work ethic. There's just so many red flags going on with him uh, that I just can't fathom. I, I mean, I'm sure some team at some point will, will bring him in for, you know, summer league or tryouts or something like that. But I just don't see him ever being uh, a, a rotational or even like a even a, a, a regular NBA player anymore. I just I, I'd be shocked if it did happen. Yeah, I mean, his stats, uh, his career stats are... Um, oh, don't look at them. <laughs> no, don't. No. Why? Uh, 0.12 win chairs for 48. Um, 4.4 points per game. 3.1 rebounds. Uh, not good. Less than 40% shooting. So, yeah, everything there is uh, is pretty awful. I mean, the, the fact that he can't even get you know, be on the roster of the worst team in the league is obviously saying something. I mean, yeah, that's exactly it. I mean, it'd be like, yeah, you know, I understand my Cleveland guy wrote him. I see uh, Toronto, you know, they had them last year, but they're, they're working on bigger and better things, but this is Brooklyn. That's like, you know what? We don't need you anymore. That's not good. That's, that's bad. Yeah. And, and the obvious comparison I think is LaRue Martin, who we'll get into in a few months. I think we're going to just go through the, uh, we decided to go back to 1966, which is the first year that the NBA no longer, had the territorial draft before then you know the territorial picks were allowed before the regular picks so the drafts are kind of funny but from 66 basically you're having the same rules as you have uh, today so it, it, I think it's more of an apples to apples comparison so we're just going to kind of go through talk about each player who's drafted number one and get a sense of the variability because there's a lot of guys who uh, obviously some greatest of all time players like Kareem LeBron and all to I mean, your Anthony Bennett and the Rue Martins so yeah it, it's interesting and and Kind of what spawned this is, you know, of course, with Anthony Bennett, and, and there are quite a few that we're going to talk about here. But the volatility of like the number one overall pick is very interesting, and I, I, I guess maybe we can delve into it a little bit later of, of why there seems to be so many, or if there is that many. I mean, that, that's kind of I guess the real question because people kind of look at number one overall picks, and like you said, there are those all timers, those you know all time greats, top five, top ten, top fifteen type players, but there are a lot of guys that are just the, you know, you know, I, I hate the word bust because I don't think that's really fair, but guys that just never lived up to the potential of being a number one overall pick, and a lot of guys that just never lived up to the the potential of being like everyday NBA players and you find it hard to believe that like with you know that you're picking number one you have everybody in the world to pick from and like you pick this guy and then for some of these people within a few years it was already like well this guy's terrible or like in some cases Anthony Bennett was almost immediate um LeRue Martin was another one too where like like 10 minutes into his first game it was like ah damn it well, sorry like shouldn't have done and like I, I'm always fascinated by that because it's like you have like anybody anybody in the world you can pick and you've had all this time and all this resources to do it but I guess that's that's it but you was 
assume that NBA, like I get it with the football because injuries can happen. And baseball, of course, is, is, is super as going through the minor leagues. It's really hard. But basketball, it seems like a very easy one to kind of scout and say, this guy is great. We should draft him number one. But there are so many cases, though, where those guys just don't turn out at all. So it's very interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think, you know, obviously there are some just can't miss guys, you know, that, you know, your your greatest ever, you know, who, you know, are going to be important about you and given health, of course. And then it, when when it gets slightly below that, that's when it's really tough. I mean, you know, fit obviously matters, um, you know, the translation between college and the pros that, that often is very different styles of games, obviously, especially today. Um, so it is really interesting what guys do well and what guys don't do well. And obviously injuries come into play with a lot of these guys, which you can't really you know, usually can't predict unless they had issues in college. But um, right. yeah, I mean, there there are so many uh, there are so many factors. It, it is yeah, other than maybe like the slam dunk level, like okay, this guy has the talent, and even a couple of those guys, you know, kind of had disappointing NBA careers. Um, you know, but other than that, you it is a crapshoot in many cases, even when you're drafting that high. Absolutely. So uh, first, well, 1966, the New York Knicks, the New York Knicks drafting uh, Kazzy Russell from Michigan. And uh, he was part of those early uh, Knicks uh, dynasty teams. He uh, eventually kind of lost a starting spot to Bill Bradley, who had been a college rival with. And um, he was pretty good off the bench and then ended up with the Warriors and Lakers uh, later on in his career. You know, carved out a solid enough career, you know, played 11 years. Um had 1.12 inches for 48 for throughout his career, you know, 15 points per game, you know, definitely an okay, you know, to pretty good player for his career, but probably disappointing for a number one pick. Yeah. Um, fine. But yeah, as you're saying, like we'll, we'll go over some guys here. I mean, he's, he's certainly, I, I don't know what kind of pocket we'd put him in or if we have this like folders that we're throwing guys in, but yeah, I think he'd, you know, decent, but, but disappointing is probably the best way to, to describe him. Yeah. Uh, the next similar boat, probably a little bit worse. Uh, Jimmy Walker for the uh, Detroit the dynamite Pist- guy, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes, same guy, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, Jalen Rose is a uh, father, uh, I guess a strange oh. father, but um, uh, but yes. his father is the dynamite guy. I'm just joking. Sorry, yeah, go on. sorry go. I apologize. Sorry. All right. That's all right. <laughs> we'll never, right. Do, I will never derail this podcast ever again. Yeah. I apologize, uh, Richard. You are not giving people what they want right now. So. <laughs> right. Sorry. Um, so you know, he played uh, played most of the career with the um, Pistons. Was okay player. You know, 16.7 points per game. Um, solid enough, but never really fulfilled the potential. But then this is also during a time in which the you know actually getting the number one pick it wasn't it still wasn't quite the same like i mean you definitely had a as many guys who were number all overall picks to this point were nothing as compared to you know what is later the you know the uh obviously the, the league is expanding and the value of having that number one pick versus a good team that's going to draft to the bottom is going to change as expansion comes along and as obviously some tremendous talent um from this next generation of great players is coming and, and scouting always plays a factor in that as well, because, you, you know, now we, we take it so for granted of, you know, you get to see all these guys, everybody sees everybody all across the world or whatever, where a lot of times you hear these old drafts and, and, and even a guy we're going to talk about here in a little bit where it's like, yeah, we saw him in a few games. We thought he was good. So that's it. Like we drafted him and it's like, all right, well, maybe I don't know. Like maybe she, but like it what well, like you're saying, the value that we sort of astounded. I mean, now would be astonishing for, for us to just think of trading the number one overall pick or not really caring all that much. But like you said, it wasn't that big of a deal. Uh, you, you know, in this era, and it starts to get a little bit more important uh, in the next kind of uh, group of people that we see. Maybe because people see, oh, geez, this is really valuable. We should probably use this as well. Yeah, right. I mean, the next three in 68, Elvin Hayes with the San Diego Rockets, 69, uh, Milwaukee Bucks at Kareem Blue Jabbar, might have heard of him. In yep, 1970, good. Detroit Pistons get Bob Lanier, all our Hall of Famers, all our top 50 players. Obviously, Kareem is in the uh, greatest of all time discussion. Um, yeah, and, and these were, well, I, Kareem was obviously a franchise changing big man Hazen Lanier didn't really do a you know we're gonna we have another episode coming up you know with Lanier specifically where you know these guys were great individual players but the team success didn't really come um Hayes later with the with the bullets along with Wes Unsell that later in the 70s did and um Lanier would be more of a role player on some of those 80s Bucks teams but um and I guess that kind of separates, you know, Kareem being one of the greatest of all time with Hayes and Lanier, you know, very good, you know, excellent top 50 players, but uh, not quite the same caliber. 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, we're talking. It's, it's hard to be compared or, you know, sandwiched with Kareem as, as the, the meat of that sandwich, unfortunately, for Hayes and Lanier. But yeah, I mean, decent, really good NBA careers, I'd say, but just not, you know, franchise changing all time greats like a Kareem was. But still, you know, I, if I if, you know, I made a number one all pick and I'm just trying to pick Bob Lanier, you know, that's not bad. So yeah. I'll take it. But uh, yeah, no, certainly not the, the, the game changer like Kareem. I mean, but there are few, few are game changers like Kareem. So, yeah. And we talked about Lanier in our top 50 project. I mean, Lanier was, you know, except productive guy I mean really um, probably a little bit you know underrated for you know the, how he how well he performed in his career you know kind of stuck on those uh, uh, rough uh, Pistons teams right absolutely yeah and uh, next we have uh, Cleveland with uh, Austin Carr Mr. Cavalier from Notre Dame one of the greatest uh, college scorers of all time unfortunately not a really strong pro career you know cut short with uh, injuries and uh, not really a very efficient scorer in the uh, pros uh, did average 15.4 points per game um, and just but didn't really stand out much um, elsewhere and uh, the highlight of his career was leading the uh, being part of a, a pretty good group of players that helped lead the Cavs to that miracle of Richfield uh, 76 uh, playoff run mm-hmm. yeah but otherwise I mean just kind of a, a pretty disappointing uh, number one overall pick just not a whole lot there uh, yeah. as you said injuries and other issues came into play but yeah just not not a great number one overall pick but yeah, yeah. The, the, the knee injuries might have changed things for yeah, him, exactly but, yeah, yeah. yeah I mean but, he, it looked like he had a lot of talent to, to, to be great but it just yeah it just didn't come together for him yeah and then next we talked about before uh, LaRue Martin for the Portland Trailblazers um, out of the Loyola University of Chicago and he's dealt with a lot in uh, breaks of the game um they're you know interesting he's this is at at the point of the book is being written he's been out of the league and is trying to kind of get back in and these is of course this burden of expectations um being placed on him being picked number one even though it's it, it seemed like a weird pick at the time and it definitely um you know um obviously worked out very poorly because he's one of the worst uh number one overall picks in nba history yeah, just a lot of things didn't really work out for him. I mean, it, it, in breaks of the game and otherwise, you, you hear that, you know, the Portland's GM, they saw him favor matchable. You know, he had a matchup with, with, with Bill Walton and he was he went, you know, neck and neck with Bill Walton. And that was like, oh, man, well, there you go. I mean, that, that guy's got to be great. So these GMs, you know, they watched a couple games with him where he really dominated was pretty good. I mean, yeah, at Loyola, he, you know, he averaged 18.2 points per game, 15.9 rebounds. So people kind of look at those numbers and they're pretty gaudy numbers in the 6'11 center. And this is, you know, obviously this era where it's, you know, uh, the big men ruled the world. And then, you know, it played it favorably against, you know, Walton and then a few other guys. And then it just didn't work out. I mean, and the problem was, too, it like it was almost immediate where everybody just kind of knew that this guy just didn't for whatever it was. It just didn't have it to be in the NBA, whether it was, you know, and I don't know if it's necessarily a desire, but maybe a killer instinct. As you hear a lot in the breaks of the game, he was a very nice guy. He was a very humble person. Like he's still now people regard him as like the nicest dude when you interview him. He's just kind of like, yeah, whatever. You know, it didn't really work out in the NBA, but whatever. Like like most people would really be upset about it. But he kind of goes, oh, you know, I made a I made, you know, a life for myself. Like, it's it's not that big of a deal. It's it's fine. You know, I, I didn't work out and that's it. So and people mentioned him as being that kind of guy, even when he was playing, that it was like he just didn't have that killer instinct, didn't have that desire to be great. And that, you know, of course, is a number one overall pick. You, you obviously want uh, that a little bit. But, yeah, just a guy who just never really figured it out at all and has some really, really bad numbers for a number one overall pick. But uh, it was only in the league, like, what, three years and then was out. So, yeah, I, I think four seasons, 271 games, 14 minutes uh, per game, uh, 5.3 points. Uh, 4.6 rebounds on uh, uh, less than 42% shooting. So uh, obviously not (laughs) not, Not for a 6'11 center. Not great. No, not not great. No. Um, So the the next series of players um, all dealt with either um, injuries or drug issues or or a mix of both in some cases. Uh, 1973 was Doug Collins with the 76ers. 1974 famously was uh, Bill Walton with the uh, Portland Trailblazers. 1975 with David Thompson with the Atlanta Hawks, who did not play for the Atlanta Hawks, which we talked about in um, a previous episode. And in 1976, uh, John Lucas with the uh, Houston Rockets. So – uh, Walton and Collins dealt with a lot of um, injuries throughout their careers. You know, Collins had some good years with the uh, Sixers. Walton, of course, you know, famously you know, short-lived uh, time with the uh, Trailblazers, but had the brilliant 77 and 78 seasons before the injuries really took their hold. Uh, Thompson didn't even like, so didn't play for the Hawks. He ended up uh, de- defecting to the ABA for the Nuggets, and then once the Nuggets joined the uh, NBA the next season, he played you know for a few really great years with the uh, Nuggets before the drug issues. Um, 
came in and then John Lucas in 76 was, you know, really good, a strong point guard for the uh, Rockets. He and actually uh, Doug Collins were famously involved in uh, what was considered a a bogus charge call with Collins taking the charge from uh, Lucas in the uh, 77 playoffs, which if um, if if the it had gone the other way, there's a good chance Houston would have gone to the finals instead of the 76ers in, in 1977. So. Damn Doug. Yeah. <laughs> we always we always hated Doug. Foppin' Doug, so. yeah. <laughs> exactly. His old nickname. Yeah. Um so I don't know if you've anything to add to those uh, guys, but uh, uh not really. I mean Thompson was probably you know Thompson and Walton, of course. I mean we, we don't really have to say much about those guys. Everybody kind of knows the, the history of those. I mean, Bill Walton, of course, you know, all time great player, just the injuries just absolutely destroyed uh what was a great uh, or what was on the path to be a great career. Uh and David Thompson was a guy who, of course, you know, for being an overall player had a great career, but for the Atlanta Hawks as a number one overall pick, eh, not so much because he didn't play at all for them. So that's not that's not great. But no, he, he carved out a pretty nice career. But of course, yeah, Atlanta probably would have preferred him, you know, do it while playing under their team as opposed to, you know, in another league. But uh, those things happen. And then, yeah, Lucas and Collins, they, they kind of speak for themselves as well. But yeah, Thompson, uh, solid career. Of course, the drug issues kind of derailed what would have been a decent like because he, he was still a very good player. But then he just it, you could see the drop off just happen so fast. And it's like, well, what the hell is going on here? And, and obviously now we know, you know, of course, the drug issues happen. But yeah, a really, really good overall player. And then Bill Walton again, you know, a guy who could have been one of the best of all time, but just his injuries and his body just would not let him do it. So. Yeah, I mean, still a top fifty player, you know, made that list, and yeah, he still got yeah, obviously for what he accomplished. Um, yeah, in oh, a limited yeah. time, obviously, some, some great things. So um, the next couple of years, some okay to, to solid players, but but disappointments considering you know where they were picked. Nineteen seventy seven, Milwaukee Bucks selected Kent Benson from Indiana. He was part of that uh, undefeated uh, Indiana team, the last undefeated team in college basketball history. Um, and had a long career in the league, but was never really a star. But most famous probably for uh, his very first game where he elbowed career, Kareem in the stomach. Um, Kareem doubled over and then uh, turned around and then knocked him out with a, a punch. So, uh, <laughs> the NBA kid. yeah, Kareem broke his hand and uh, and then Benson, uh, you know, was uh, obviously uh, got knocked out in the situation. So, it, it, yeah, that, that's probably the most notable thing. He played a few years with the Bucks and with the Pistons, uh, then I believe with the Jazz. So, um, was kind of you know we talked about in our. Jordan episode uh, about the white stiffs that dominated the uh, 80s and and I think he was definitely in that club oh god yes yeah yeah if he was uh, uh, possibly a different guy I don't know if he would have hang around in the league as long as he did but no I mean uh, decent player but yeah just not really not what you want from a number one overall pick whatsoever yeah Yeah, especially from Milwaukee a team that you know (laughs) it was really really I mean at that point too I mean they could have really built you know even more of a dynasty than they had and and it didn't really you know just kind of all started unraveling there Yes. And then the uh, 78 draft um, was uh, Michael Thompson. Funny, I I never thought about it, but Portland actually got the number one pick even after that 78 season where, you know, they had, I guess they had the best record in the league at that point. Uh, You know, they had 15 10 start and then they lost Walton, but they got uh, Michael Thompson out of it. I believe that was a trade with um, the Pacers. So, um, and and he had a good, solid career. Probably disappointing for number one pick. He was a, you know, a key role player for the Lakers in their last few years their dynasty and you know had some good years with portland so it wasn't a bad guy but he definitely probably disappointing for an important overall pick it's, it's interesting because i'm not exactly sure what the standard is for disappointing for overall number one overall pick because yeah i mean obviously you're only going to have a handful of like i mean if you're worse than magic johnson you're not a disappointment but who do you <laughs> right, have exactly yeah. who do you have to be you know better than to not be a disappointment i mean that's sort of an interesting because the, the expectations are so high but so many more players end up being like you know pretty good than than being you know all the time so it's not really fair to think oh you have to be lebron or magic johnson or whoever in your disappointment but i don't i don't know what point you become just like okay you're fine <laughs> it was fine that we picked you here right yeah that's why it'd be so hard to be like to, to pick number one and to be a number one overall pick I, I i can't imagine the amount of pressure of that and that's why i mean why teams still kind of maybe screw up because it's just like oh everyone's gonna second guess no matter what like if this guy you know even if anthony bennett was you know a 10 point per game guy and we'll talk about a guy here in a little bit that was like uh you know in the modern era who was like you know nine points per game eight rebounds per game which is it's fine like it's a solid rotation player and it's because he was number one overall pick it was just like ah oh, this guy's terrible as oh god what a bust what a complete disappointment and yeah it's it's probably not fair because yeah we're, we're going through this list here and a lot of the guys we're mentioning is like they had a good career but they were a disappointment and it's like well maybe maybe they're not maybe just kareem and magic johnson are all-time greats and not you know so it's it's definitely an interesting conversation that's why it, it's so fascinating to see the, the 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 progression here and why we're doing this episode to see the progression of number one overall picks and and see 
how they're sort of perceived as, as whether disappointments or, or, you know, all time greats or whatever. But yeah, there's really no middle ground. It's either like we need a franchise changing player or you're a disappointment. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or like you're an absolute bust. Like there's like maybe three levels here uh, that we're talking about. And it, it's kind of funny because, yeah, a guy like Michael Thompson, solid career. But, you know, we consider him disappointing. And whether that's fair or not, I, I, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, next 1979, the Lakers get Magic Johnson. Um, what a um, disappointment that guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Didn't exactly. get any tickets. Didn't, I mean, just nothing for that franchise. Absolutely nothing. Yeah, absolutely not. Uh, 1980, Golden State Warriors get uh, Joe Barry Carroll, nickname of Joe Barely Cares. Um, <laughs> All time great nickname, by the yeah, way. Yeah. Probably an added disappointment because, you know, he was traded, you know, the uh, Warriors could have gotten, could have had Kevin McHale and Robert Parrish, who they already had, <laughs> but they traded them both for, for uh, Carroll. And he had some actually productive, okay years um not good in the advanced stats uh overall he was definitely still a major disappointment did have one year as an all-star middle of his career went over to italy and played for a year in italy which is kind of interesting you know, given that a star of you know his stature to um do that i, I think it was a contract situation where you know it was basically a holdout but um so yeah i'm uh, you know not that much but, but he carved out you know a, a 10 year 11 year career um you know what was doesn't definitely doesn't belong on the list of like the worst bus ever but it's more in that like uh, one tier up where it was a disappointment but because i don't think he was good enough to be considered like a you know a a good solid player but he was not bad enough to be considered you know a, a total bust either yeah yeah i would agree 1981, Dallas Mavericks got Mark Aguirre. Uh, another good player with solid career. Probably disappointing for a number one overall pick, although you know, he did lead Dallas to some pretty good uh, help you know, with, with some other uh, good players, Orlando Blackman and so forth in the uh, 80s for the Mavericks. And then, of course, went over to the Pistons and uh, was there for their two championships. So um, in the controversial trade for um, Adrian Dantley, but probably was the right call for uh, for them at that point because Aguirre ended up having more longevity and you know, probably helped them to uh, to be able to uh, win that title. So, um, yeah, I mean, maybe not. I don't know. Maybe he's about like the right where – it's like kind of the minimum expectation you might have for a number one overall pick. Like, like Mark McGuire might be that guy. Yeah, like a solid career um, helped the team, you know, go to many playoffs. Like, yeah. uh, like a solid rotation piece, a guy that you could just pluck into your lineup yeah. and he was good to go from, you know, the beginning and, and ready to produce uh, for you guys in the beginning. I mean, not a deve- uh, developmental project, really, just a guy that was came yeah. in ready to go and, 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 and made that team. I mean, pr- made pretty much any team he was on better by being on it. And that's really all you can ask, I, I would say. Yeah, I mean, he was, yeah, an, all, an all-star, a, you know, like a guy who led, you know, some good some good playoff teams. Uh, obviously, he had some... Um, um, some issues with uh, there was some locker room issues between there and, and some ego stuff and either there was there was that aspect to him as well but um it, probably on the court yeah it's probably about the, what i would want you know uh 20 points per game five uh, rebounds per game um you know uh 48% uh, shooting you know pretty de- pretty decent uh numbers overall so yeah i think that's he's probably about like maybe the medium out- median outcome or so yeah yeah um, yeah Good. Uh, next, 1982, James Worthy. Um, he's a guy, the numbers don't stand out, but he obviously was a really important part for, I mean, he had good numbers, um, but, he, you know, he's on the top 50 list and uh, a Hall of Famer and, you know, just ended up being in the perfect situation for him as far as complementing his skills and, um, you know, and and delivering in, especially in big situations, obviously, the the 1988 Game 7 triple-double. So, um, you know, that, that obviously worked out pretty well. You know, there was, they had other options there like Dominic Wilkins and, you know, some other things. They were I think they were looking at trying to get Ralph Sampson to come out um, early as well, so things like that. So, um, so probably Worthy was the best of, a, of those options even if it wasn't necessarily the best overall player. Yeah, I, I love the idea. I mean, I, can you imagine what would happen now if a team won the NBA championship and then had the number one overall pick? Like, can you even fathom like the the outcry that would occur uh, for something like that? I, I just it would be amazing. But you know, yeah, it, it, it certainly would. <laughs> it's like the Cavs, just like all right, cool, number one overall pick. All right, Ben Simmons. It's like no, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. I just love this idea that like now we talk about these super teams, but that like, but that's again we talk about how teams just didn't value these things properly because like teams would just trade away these picks and do all this sort of stuff. It's like I oh, would draft pick whatever just give us that 32 year old guy that's reliable and it's like all right fine, we'll just get james worthy and add him to a team that just won the championship so that's uh it's pretty good though but i i do love old nba 
the old wild west of <laughs> NBA trades and, and NBA draft trades and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, yeah. it'd be, it'd be incredible. I, I just would love to see the, the outcry one year if, if, if that happened, you know, some team just, uh, I feel like the, the closest we got was like that Nets barrage where they were just trading every pick they had for like 10 years. That was pretty fun, but, uh, that was pretty fun. I don't know. Uh, that, memories. <laughs> yes. And, and, yeah, then, the good old days. and it ends up with, with, uh, not having Anthony Bennett on your team. Yeah. <laughs> it all comes full circle. Yeah, no, it does. So, um, 83 and 84, the Rockets draft their two twin towers, Ralph Sampson in 83, uh, Hakeem Olajuwon in 84. Um, obviously, Hakeem worked out tremendously well, you know, although it took a while. We've we got another show where we're going to talk about how uh, there, there was a period, well, they did have immediate success and made the 86 finals, but they, there ended up being some, uh, a, a lull period before, you know, the great teams of the uh, mid 90s. Uh, for Sampson, you know, was a guy who just, you know, was one of the uh, most hyped college players of all time, was tremendous in college and was pretty good for a brief time, although interestingly and interestingly enough, his, his career win shares for 48 are worse than Purvis Ellison, Joe Barry Carroll and Kwame Brown. So, you know, he's a guy who's thought of as being, you know, pretty productive in the NBA and um, you know, before injuries, you know, really got to him. But um the the advanced numbers are not strong for him, and I, I don't know exactly what to make of that, other than you know just the uh, uh, you know maybe it was rough playing with Lajuan because he maybe you know play some out of position or things like that. I I, I don't know, but because um, he actually was stronger at least production wise before uh, Lajuan got there. So or maybe the injuries were taking a toll even before you know the um, yeah. the, the serious ankle one that he basically derailed his career. And his shooting was always, I mean, it wasn't a great shooter, um, so that probably played into a little bit of it because he was a guy that didn't play as much like around the basket as we kind of assume. He, he was a guy that, you know, was out a little bit um, doing some stuff and was always kind of in between his game, too, because he kind of wanted to be more of a shooter and they wanted to be more down low. And, and that kind of causes issues as well. But, yeah, the advanced numbers never really like Ralph Sampson, which is kind of funny because, yeah, I wouldn't initially think of him as a bust, but then you put him in, like, you know, the Kwame Brown, Joe Barry Carroll yeah. uh, region. And it's like, oh, OK, I don't know. Like, that's, you know, so it's it's definitely an interesting thing with him. Yeah, I mean, I would not consider him a bust, but it's just worth noting, hey, the advantages just do not like him yeah, for whatever yeah. reason. So uh, then next we get, uh, you know, after Olajuwon, we get a really great run of uh, big men, uh, Patrick Ewing for the Knicks in 85, obviously Hall of Famer, top 50 player. 1986, Cleveland Cavaliers, Brad Doherty, uh, really, you know, production wise on a very similar level to these other guys, um, to, to Ewing, Olajuwon, and David Robinson's kind of an, on another level, at least as far as the uh, advanced sets go, but um, but but he really just didn't have that longevity because of the you know the injuries that he dealt with. But he was right, right there with Ewing certainly as far as how he you know produced um you know while he was playing. Yeah, it's, it's crazy to look at how long this some of these other guys we're talking about. You know, Akeem Olajuwon you know retired in two thousand two, Patrick Ewing two thousand two, David Robinson two thousand three, Brad Doherty nineteen ninety four. So you look at that like like geez, those guys had almost another decade of, of their careers, and he does Brad Doherty just doesn't have that. But yeah, like on a per you know win shares per forty eight and like a uh, advanced metrics, like he's he's right there with them. It's just he doesn't have those extra decade or whatever like some of those other guys have. And I mean, obviously knowing what we know about you know his injury, he probably would not have lasted or whatever you know. But a hypothetical yeah. is if he keeps up you know kind of this same path he had you know pre-injury or you know pre-having retired he maybe could have been thought of as one of those guys but yeah i mean as, as a per game level i mean absolutely uh worthy of being a number one overall pick and produced you know as well or, or in some cases even better than some of those guys yeah and helped you know turn around the Cavs, you know who were um not a good team before 86 and, and no, kind of no. sparked that turnaround of course along with uh, you know Mark Price and Larry Nance and, and those guys um, so after that 1988 uh, Danny Manning a very hyped out of college out of Kansas uh, played for the Clippers good solid career but uh, he had um, dealt with some some knee injuries I believe and uh, you know kept them from him being you know an excellent player but you know kind of had a you know a pretty good was part of some pretty good Suns teams in the uh, late uh, 90s and you know w w was good but uh, disappointment considering the hype that he came in with yeah he bounced around a lot too which I think was a, another issue with his career is like he seemed like he was on a bunch of I mean of course there wasn't that many obviously have the Clippers you have the brief stint in Atlanta uh, Phoenix and then you know at the end of his career which I won't count you know then he bounced around a bunch of different places but I think that also kind of hurts his legacy as well because like I, I don't know like like if you had to tell me you know what, what Danny Manning's like team like who, who did you know of course he got drafted by the Clippers but I would probably say the Suns was like his team but like he just has a weird identity where like i don't know that he's necessarily remembered for for being you know a member of any one team for very long and just kind of bounced around a little bit as well even though it, it wasn't that he wasn't a journeyman until kind of the end of his career but still just kind of bounced around a little bit more than uh what you would assume kind of a number one overall pick or a very good uh number one overall pick would 
Yeah, uh, definitely. So, uh, 1989, one of the more notorious uh, number one picks of, of all time, uh, Sacramento Kings. Uh, Purvis Ellison out of Louisville. Uh, one of your favorite <laughs> nicknames, I know. Yeah, never nervous Purvis. That's I believe one of the worst nicknames in basketball history. What, what are your? What is your uh, take on never nervous Purvis? Um, it's not great, but I'm not sure what I'm not sure what else you have to you know go with with Purvis. You know, yeah, that, that's, it doesn't mean anything. Like it just be Purvis Ellison. Like I don't he, know. Is he, he could be. You know, I, um, I guess it, having not watched him at, at, at Old Louisville, I can't say like that he was because if he was a guy that was like legitimately never nervous, then I get it. Like you're like, wow, that guy's never nervous, and you know, his name's Purvis. So I get it from that standpoint, but it just seems kind of forced. It seemed like we had to we had to come up with something to rhyme with Purvis. Okay, nervous. There we go. We're done. Yeah, like, but but nervous doesn't make sense. So it has to be never nervous. You know, yeah, right. Getting uh, nervous Purvis. No one's going to draft you if you're no. nervous Purvis. I mean, no one's going to draft you number one overall and expect you to be a star for the Sacramento Kings like yeah. Purvis Ellison became. So we're, we're good. Yeah, I believe that was uh, during uh, Bill Russell's uh, short term um, uh, stint being the uh, coach and GM of uh, the Kings, which did not go well. So, <laughs> no, um, it did yeah. not because, yes, Purvis yeah. uh, did not, uh, was not good. At yes. All. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Danny Ainge referred to him as out of service Purvis, which. <laughs> then, uh, that's a good nickname. Yeah. <laughs> Even which, though I don't like Danny Ainge, yeah. I like that nickname. So. Uh, it's fair enough. I wonder if know. he said it to his face because I feel like Purvis would not be very happy with that. Probably but. not a nice thing to do, <laughs> but, yeah. So, but Danny Ainge isn't a nice person, so it's fine. It's, it's probably true. He played four. 474 games in uh in 12 seasons so or 11 seasons so yeah, yeah not, not uh, great. <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah I mean, it was, it's kind of funny though he um you know his rookie year he had a ton of issues and sacramento just immediately traded him which is always kind of fun uh there uh, in 1991 he became a you know starter and, and was named the nba most improved player uh he averaged 20 points per game 11.4 rebounds per game so looked like he had something there and then like the knee injuries just persisted and he just never ever could fit it you know figure it out but that one year you kind of got a glimpse into like oh this guy could be okay and it just it, it just never came together for him though yeah, definitely. So um, next, um, 1990, uh, Derek Coleman with the uh, New Jersey Nets. Uh, good player with a solid career. Probably disappointing for the number one pick. S- similar for 91 with um, the Charlotte Hornets, uh, Larry Johnson. Um, and uh, both these guys um, didn't necessarily stay you know, super long with their original teams. Obviously, Larry Johnson ended up going to the uh, Knicks. Uh, and Derek Coleman uh, ended up bouncing around here, here and there a little bit. I mean, Coleman, you know, those early... Nets teams had some uh, potential. Obviously, Drazen Petrovic dying, yeah. um, you know, the, the the fatal crash, you know, kind of helped, uh, you know, keep that team from um, you know growing you know, naturally together along with uh, Kenny Anderson. You know, that that, that might have been a, a different story had that not happened. But um, he was always kind of uh, I don't know. He, he was kind of considered you know a little mercurial, maybe a little bit of the you know kind of the Boogie Cousins of his day. I think Boogie showed a little bit more, you know, like. Um, Dynamism, dynamism, excuse me, and excitement. But like, I think Coleman was right there in terms of just being like this incredibly graceful, athletic big man who seemed like you know he was there to dominate the league. And you know, he played well, sixteen point five points per game, nine point three rebounds. I mean, he was uh, above average player, but it may be a little bit disappointing for you know that level. Yeah, fairly or unfairly, he always got the tag as like, oh, man, you could be so much better. Like, just be better. And he was like, he doesn't like it was always that he didn't want to be better, that he was lazy or whatever. And I think he he was I, I, I seem to recall he was just kind of like, well, I, don't, I don't know, like, I'm just kind of doing what I do. Like, he was very much like a guy that just kind of played his, his game and did his thing or whatever. And people just because they saw that what he was able to do and what he was able to do on the court and it did this freak athleticism that he had when he was younger and thought okay this guy can be awesome and can be great and he just never reached that great level and people always just attribute that to laziness or, or, or you know aloofness or whatever but it, it could have just been that was the ceiling but he was still a, a, a very very good overall player a solid career but disappointed many many franchises I think you know three or four different teams were like all right we got Derek Coleman let's go and it was like oh all right never mind <laughs> like we're just he's not that great he's not that type of player but still I, I'd say a pretty solid career uh, Larry yeah. Johnson as well he's a guy that, that remembered very well from the 90s for playing for the Charlotte Hornets uh, for the grandma stuff for being a very dynamic player, but really fell off a cliff pretty quickly uh, once injuries got him and and, and once he kind of went to the Knicks. I mean, had a little bit going at the, his first few years with the Knicks, but yeah, just did not have the longevity uh, that you would think. But uh, I it's solid player. I don't know a decent overall number one overall pick, I guess, but not. I don't know if Charlotte got quite what they probably would want out of uh, Larry Johnson. Other than probably sold a lot more uh, starter jackets because of him. So uh, yeah, those I mean those Hornets starter jackets were were like a hot thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I mean exactly. they naturally were. Yeah. I mean, he was a marketing, you know, he superstar. Was, yeah. yeah, I mean, he was, you know, um, I mean, he's kind of considered the next uh, Charles Barkley, I think, sort of, for, you know, for a while. At least he kind of had a similar, you know, uh, frame and, um, you know, style. At least, you know, kind of appeal. He was had he was kind of the bad boy in college with that UNLV team. So, um, 
Yeah, Larry Johnson. I think he's a guy he maybe got lost a little bit in uh, you know the dustbin of history, but was uh, it was an important player for a while, even if he was not you know super successful. Yeah. Uh, 92, of course, uh, Shaquille O'Neal with the Orlando Magic, uh, you know, one of the greatest ever. I guess, you know, he left the Magic so quickly that would be the only uh, thing that would be, um, you know, the only regret there is they weren't able to keep him beyond the uh, four years. But he obviously, you know, was uh, performable, got them to the finals, was, you know, a, uh, you know, probably top 15 player ever, you know, um, so yeah, no regrets there. Definitely uh, the, the the kind of thing you want to land on when you get a, a yeah, exactly yeah that yes. was kind of a no doubter as well. So it kind of worked. But I guess it, I guess maybe not a no doubter. You never know. It could have been weight issues or something like that that came in. But yeah, no. I mean, like obviously the Magic were going to take him when they took him. Obviously everybody kind of pointed to him of being like that great great player. And and I think he absolutely lived up to all of it. Yeah, like you're saying, Orlando maybe didn't get the whole end of the, the, that they wanted. Right. Uh, but still, I would say I mean the years that they did have him as short as they were, uh, they were you know one of the the premier NBA franchises, you know, NBA finals appearance, that sort of stuff. So they, I mean, drafting him and they immediately were on a championship, uh, you know, um, sort of track uh, right off the bat. And that's all you can really ask for, for a number one overall pick, I'd say. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, 93 Orlando magic. Um, they end up trading him Chris Weber out of Michigan. And, um, he's a likely hall of famer to me. Uh, some would consider him maybe, you know, a bit disappointing in his career. He did have some, he bounced around a little. I mean, he ended up with golden state for a year, had the issues with the Don Nelson that ended up in Washington for a few seasons before settling in to Sacramento and being part of the, you know, the great teams there. And, you know, he had some, um, he had, had some tremendous um, skills, obviously, for his size and um, great passer and uh, and a great player. It took a while for him to to actually be on a winning team, but um, you know once you know once he was able to establish that Sacramento, obviously you know had a great run. Didn't make the finals, but only because they were behind you know one of the great dynasties of all time. Yeah, no, I, I'd say a solid uh, number one overall pick. Uh, what, what are your thoughts? Um, it's probably a larger topic, but uh, I've seen a lot of it recently where people always talk about, oh, man, Shaq and Weber would have been just a great combo as opposed to, you know, Shaq and Penny or whatever. I kind of like the Shaq-Penny dynamic a little bit more than the Weber-O'Neal. I don't know if I quite see how the Weber-O'Neal works, but what do you think about that? Would you have stuck with Weber or are you okay with the – yes, we're revision, We're doing revisionist history from things from like 30 years ago, but uh, uh, would right. you have traded – that's what we do. This is, this is the whole podcast. Is, so whatever, screw it. We're doing it. Uh, would you have kept Weber or would you have uh, – uh, trade it, make the trade for Penny. Uh, I mean, I think Shaq Penny was, yeah, I mean, that, that was a great combination. I think those skills really blendable. I don't, I don't see Weber really fitting in with uh, Shaq that well. I mean, he wasn't that much of an outside shooter, uh, if I recall correctly. And I, I mean, you know, there were other things. I mean, he obviously had great passing and great talent, but I mean, you know, not, on, not only did they get Penny Hardaway, who was you know, better than Weber, you know, f- up, you know, up until 98, 99, for sure, I would say. Um, and, and they got like two or three first round picks for him in addition to that. So, I mean, I, I and yeah, considering all the factors in that deal, they, I definitely would have um, done that. Yeah, I just I don't see Weber. I mean, they're so talented. Yeah, maybe they could have made it work, but I, I don't know if like it's the best way to optimize your team or having someone like Penny Hardaway, who you know again was tremendous up until you know he had his own injuries. Um, I mean, I, I think that was definitely a, a better fit. You know, personality wise, I, I don't know. I, mean, I don't know if Weber and, and Jack would have really gotten along any better than Penny and Jack did. So. Yeah, I'm, I, I like I like the Penny um, Shack dynamic a little bit more than the Weber one. Weber, it would have been fun because everybody thinks, oh, the point forward, uh, you know, all that sort of stuff. But I, I, I like the dynamic of Penny and Shack. So I, I, I am with you, uh, Orlando Magic general manager. I will keep. I forgot his name. I, name is Casey right now, but he made the right trail. Yeah, exactly. Um, so um, next we have um, next we have uh, the big dog, uh, Glenn Robinson. He, um, I, oh, you know, solid player. Um, you know, good, probably disappointing for a number one overall pick. The, the advanced stats don't like him um, all that much, although he did average 20.7 points per game. Um, and, and, you know, I recall him, you know, he was part of some, you know, solid teams. Um, yeah, obviously, the, um, well, I guess the early 90s Bucks were not the uh, best. The, no, the, it, was, the, it wasn't until really Ray Allen kind of emerged. I mean, he, he was yeah. a good part of those teams, but it was not until they found a better player, they were terrible. And then, and then you yeah. know, once they got a few different players, you know, Excel came in and, and Ray Allen, you know, obviously emerged. That's when they got good. So he kind of was better as the third option than being the first option, but still a dynamic score. I mean, people kind of forget how much he scored. A lot of it was empty, as you're saying, with the, the, the stats. But I mean, you look at his career, I mean, 20 points per game overall. Like, that's not bad considering those last few years. I mean, he, he was basically, you know, on stilts last year in, in, in Sacramento or uh, San Antonio, rather. Uh, and he had a weird, like, stint in Philadelphia, if I remember correctly, too. So, uh, but yeah, as a Milwaukee Buck, I mean, a, a solid career was a, always there, reliable to score. But uh, 
yeah, not necessarily the best uh, team winner type player. So yeah, didn't have a lot of longevity either. I mean, he only played only eleven seasons, which is a decent career. But you know, uh, the contemporaries around him generally had longer careers. So that that's one you know minor blip in uh, you know there. But yeah, I mean, solid enough. Probably like I said, a little disappointing, but you know, he's still a pretty good player. Um, I think also ninety five Joe Smith would probably be in that category as well. Um, uh, and he ended up only he only played a couple years with Golden State before he was he moved on and he, he bounced around you know everywhere but you know I mean he had a reasonably he, he, had, he had a decent enough career but you know 11 points 6.4 rebounds for his career a lot of that you know, toward the end was in a small role so that probably depressed that a little bit but you know not getting a whole lot um didn't get necessarily get a whole lot out of uh of that and it's a weird draft too. If you actually look at that history of that draft, the '95 draft, and there are some very good players in there, but it's like you know, Joe Smith at, per like overall win shares. I think he ranks like seventh. Or yeah, I'm looking at it, he ranks seventh because we got obviously Garnett, Rasheed Wallace, Michael Finley. Then I mean like Brett Berry, Antonio McDice, Kurt Thomas, you know, Damon Stoudemire, Jerry Stackhouse. You know, Joe Smith's right in the middle of all those guys. You know, like people think of him as kind of this all-time bust or whatever. And it's like, yeah, Kevin Garnett was an insane risk, and I understand why you know you wouldn't have picked him number one if you're Golden State. Uh, and then you. No, there's not really I don't know like Rashid was was great but I, I get why there was some you know reservations about getting him and you know Michael Finley wasn't picked till you know 21st I, he was obviously a guy that a lot of people passed up Brent Berry is Brent Berry I mean whatever Antonio McDice was fine so like you know I mean like we look at Joe Smith as an all-time bust because he, he wasn't like you know his number one all pick and he wasn't that great and he didn't stick with that team very long but that was not a draft that was just like brimming with like game-changing talent other than you know a Garnett and a Wallace maybe are the only two guys you really look at yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, NBA trades did a nice uh, podcast looking at that Warriors uh, team and kind of looking at you know comparing Joe Smith to the other guys in that class. And uh, that's a recommended one from a few months ago. If anyone wants to uh, check that out, our, our good friends at NBA Trades, a great, uh, great podcast. Um, Next, a uh, couple pretty good players in 1996, the 76ers, uh, Allen Iverson, and uh, even better, 1997, San Antonio Spurs get uh, Tim Duncan, probably top 15, uh, definitely top 15, yeah. top, top 10 player um, ever. Iverson, you know, top 50 uh, um, player, or at least, you know, in that conversation for sure. I think he did end up making our list that we did. Um, so, you know, two Hall of Famers, two, uh, two great picks, obviously, um, you know, Duncan, you know, being perfect for the Spurs, Iverson, you know, Getting Philly you know, to a certain level, and you know, and obviously um, being revolutionary in, in an off the court way, even more than on the court. Although you know, obviously played in a you know, um, was an exciting player as well. At least when you know he was making shots, but. Um, but but yeah, obviously those are about as successful. I mean, Duncan's as successful as you can imagine, and Iverson was obviously plenty successful as well. Yeah, and, and team success too. You look at for both those guys. Of course, Tim Duncan speaks for itself. I don't have to say much about the Spurs. And then you know Iverson. You know for what it's worth. You know whatever he, he was. I mean, he got that team to the NBA Finals and got them uh, more success and more notoriety than they had in, in in you know almost an entire decade after just kind of faltering there throughout the '90s. So uh, yeah, definitely exactly what you want out of your number one overall picks. And I, I, no complaints on either one of those guys. You know, all time greats, both of them. Yeah. 1998, uh, LA Clippers, um, Michael Olukandi. Um, yeah, not, uh, not, not real good. Uh, just, uh, yeah, he has the worst at win shares per 48 of any of these, uh, players. Um, 0.09. So, um, so, so not, not a strong career. Um, he did. Yeah. I mean, I guess his, his per game stats were, I mean, not good, but not for the Clippers. They weren't terrible. 9.9 points per game, 8.0 rebounds per game, but, um, yeah, couldn't, uh, could not get the ball in the basket very well, and you know, <laughs> no. I mean, he, you know, he played for generally yeah. uh, bad teams for uh, his career. So yeah, the the, the candy man not so sweet. Not so much. Uh, there was a great uh, quote I found. Uh, Kareem was talking about when he uh, he was coaching because he was an assistant coach for the Clippers uh, around the time that he had Ola Candy. And this is a great quote about Ola Candy. Uh, when I coached for the Clippers, I had to deal with Michael Ola Candy, a player who perfectly fit the description, talented but uncoachable. I practiced. I would attempt to point out Mr. Ola Candy's faults to him. I love how he calls him Mr. Ola Candy, but uh, uh, once he constantly repeated and resulted in lost possessions for the team or personal fouls that send him to the bench. His reaction to my attempts to correct his bad habits was to take my input as a personal insult and embarrassment. He told me point blank that he would not be criticized in front of the team. He stuck to his word and as a result had very few successful moments on the court playing the way he wanted to play. He took his place on the list of athletic, athletically gifted washouts who have been in and out of the league in the past 10 years. So there's Kareem eloquently bearing Michael Candy. So that's... Yes, yes. Uh... 
so next, 1999 Chicago Bulls, uh, Elton Brand, a very good, underrated player. Didn't obviously was traded from the Bulls a couple years later, went to the Clippers and had some good run. Um, and unfortunately, he, he probably had another few years of elite play, but that was cut short because of a, um, I believe, an ACL injury. Still to me, he's borderline Hall of Fame, I would I would say. Um, I think yeah, an he's an interesting it. case. Yeah, he's yeah. a very interesting case because that guy was super productive for, for quite a few years as well. I mean, of course, you look at that right as he's kind of getting into his prime, too, with the the, the Clippers, you know, you start running into a few different issues. And then, of course, when he goes to Philadelphia, it kind of all falls apart from then on. But, yeah, he's a guy who who very, very interesting career for him, uh, whether he's a Hall of Famer or not, because the, the numbers are there. They're gaudy. And he had success, too. I mean, those Clippers teams were, were, were good with him as, you know, our, without a doubt, the best player on them. It's just, yeah, injuries kind of derailed any of that. So he'll be a very interesting case uh, when it's time um, or when people kind of discuss him uh, a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, 2000 New Jersey Nets, Kenny Martin, uh, good player with a solid career, but you know probably disappointing for a uh, number one overall pick. I mean, was a um, he, he had exactly a, a .100 a win shares. So the, exactly, that, that, that's kind of like I, what I kind of sort of sort of consider average. Like anything above that's you know like you good, good getting to great. Anything below that is probably bad. So that's uh, I, I guess he's right at the average part that you could say. Yeah, that's the horrendous trade. Don't I, I? I would not advise anybody ever to eat and then look at the 2000 NBA draft. <laughs> probably Hito Turkaloo is the number one win share player. Hito Turkaloo followed by Mike Miller. So yeah. that's all you need to know. Jamal Crawford's in there. I love that. Yeah, the Jamal so, Crawford just kind of slipped in there, and then Michael Red, and then Kenyon Martin. So that tells you about how bad that uh, draft is. So. Yeah. So all things considered, Kenyon Martin, I guess, wasn't a bad. No, uh, I mean this yeah. is a really bad draft, man. Like there, yeah. there's. Nobody that's good in the draft. Like, like of those guys, like even if like Hedo Circle is your best player in your draft, like that, that's probably not a good thing that you don't want to do. So, yeah, it gave us Jamal Crawford, and that's uh, that's all the things we can ever get. So, yeah, in '98 through. <laughs> 0102. Generally, not, not good drafts there for no, a while. No, no, yeah. no. Stroh Miles Swift was the number two overall pick, people. That's, yeah, all, you to, that's right. all you have to know. Jay Poshko. Uh, no. There, was, yeah, there, there was a weird dearth for a while you know, before LeBron obviously come, came in and changed everything. But. Um, but before we get there, uh, 2001, uh, Washington Wizards select Kwame Brown, first number one overall pick straight out of high school. Famously, was berated by uh, Michael Jordan, who was his had been the Wizards owner, no, was his teammate. Michael Jordan, yeah, that Michael Jordan, yeah, that one, yes. No, no, no stop. No, Michael, not, he's a very tender, nice. No, stop. not not Michael B. Jordan, the actor, but just Michael Jordan. Yeah. Oh, um, okay. Oh, okay. yeah. I was gonna say um, that one. That guy seems very nice, but yeah, the, the Michael Jordan, the basketball player, is kind of a dick. So that, that makes sense. <laughs> there you go. He actually showed like flashes of potential here and there. And you look at his career numbers and like, I mean, they're not good, but they're not like absolutely the worst. So, um, you know, he, he carved out a, you know, decent, like, OK, you know, big man type role, OK, role player for the Lakers and you know, kind of later on in his career. But uh, obviously not what you want out of a number one overall pick. Yeah, just never really. I, I I think a lot of it was the NBA lifestyle too. As a, a high schooler, he just wasn't ready for for that. And I don't mean he was out like partying and doing all that sort of stuff. But I think it's just like such a a culture shock for a lot of these people. To, to okay, now I'm in the NBA. This is my job. It's a professional. Like I can't imagine me at 18 trying to do something like that. I mean, I just couldn't have handled it. And and you could see that too. There was just like he seemed like the guy on the court that anytime he was on, he was thinking of like ten thousand things were going through his head, and he just could never uh, quite get it together. So I'm, I'm sure that ended up being a, a big issue for Kwame. So. Uh, so, so next um, for the uh, Houston Rockets, Yao Ming, uh, excellent player, obviously uh, great importance by being, uh, you know, the first player uh, picked number one overall from China and, um, you know, still made the Hall of Fame, even though his, his career was cut short by injuries. But, uh, you know, I, I think even despite the injuries, I think he was a. Tremendous success for the uh, Rockets. Yeah, of course, and of, uh, only if, uh, only if anything from from marketing standpoint as well. Just a guy that that was such an important player to the NBA's global expansion. Uh, but yeah, I, I think there's, I mean, unquestioned, a great pick for them. And and yeah, of course, the injuries kind of ruined uh, what could have been a, a all, you know all time great career. But still, they I mean, they had a good little run there here and there. They made the playoffs a bunch of times. You know, they got pretty far in the playoffs a few times. It was just he just could never stay healthy. But I still think they would never regret that pick. I mean, I think that was uh, absolutely the right pick at the time, and and, and definitely a worthy of. In the number one overall pick. I mean, it'd be be silly to pass up on a Yao Ming if you're Houston. I mean, that would be real tough to do. So, so not bad. Absolutely. Good, 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 uh, good pick, Houston. So, yes, definitely good. So, uh, 2003, uh, Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, LeBron James. You know, he, he worked out all right. I would say pretty good. You know, I. I think I would have gone with Darko Miletic. You know, uh, okay, yeah. I, it's, I mean, you got so much potential there with Darko, man. I mean, I, I know LeBron's all right, but 
Know, what, I, what, what, imagine Darko in Cleveland. It's a whole different dynamic. Of course, he's in <laughs> Detroit and he doesn't get to play. That's why he's not good. I mean, okay. Yeah. I, I mean, if he just went to a team that was terrible, he could have been great. I mean, that's it makes so much sense. Or Michael Sweetney's another guy, too. Jeez. Oh, Michael Sweetney. Yeah, definitely. I, I think Michael Sweetney's <laughs> right. definitely somebody that the Cavs should have picked. Yeah, that's a good good call, Rich. Yeah. Jarvis Hayes. I didn't know that Jarvis Hayes, wow, he's 10th in that draft. Good oh, word. yeah. That's, and uh, apparently, he, uh, his nationality is United States and Qatar. I believe that is because he probably plays. For a team in Qatar, that's one of my favorite things ever. Is when like dudes get like dual citizenship, yeah, in places where they definitely uh, don't actually live or aren't actually from, like Jarvis Hayes in Qatar. So there you go. Hey, good, good old, uh, good old Jarvis Hayes. <laughs> Two thousand and four, Orlando Magic. Uh, Dwight Howard also worked out pretty well for the uh, the Magic. Of course, that ended not end well, but led them to some uh, to a finals appearance and some great success and some Defensive Player of the Year awards and all that. Obviously, future Hall of Famer, um, top fifty candidates. Um, so you know, you despite the uh, the bitter divorce, you would make that pick every time. I would think. No, absolutely, certainly. 2005, Andrew Bogut for the uh, for Milwaukee Bucks. He's been a good player with a solid career. Some very strange politics, but we won't get into that. Um, <laughs> uh, I would say maybe slightly disappointing for a number one overall pick. I, I think injuries had to do with that too. I mean, he was really on track for you know kind of something um, special before you know that really that that bad hand. Wrist, you know, breaking his uh, breaking his arm um, when he did, and uh, you know, kind of made him his scoring never really you know kind of came back after that. But he, he did other things well. And obviously, he was an important part of Golden State's uh, two finals runs, and uh, you know, carved out a good uh, a good career. Probably maybe like a very very slightly disappointing, I would say, and probably only more because the Bucks didn't really get the. I mean, they got the best you know like production out of him, but you know, the most successful years of his career obviously were elsewhere. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I mean, you look at the draft. Obviously, Chris Paul's a guy who's sixth out, and it's like, oh, geez. But yeah, no, two yeah. other you know two other teams or three other teams rather. Uh, missed out on him. Milwaukee, Atlanta, and Utah right. picked different guys. Utah. Oh, Atlanta about, didn't pick Chris Paul. Thanks no, for reminding oh, me. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> really? Oh, I, I'm oh. sorry. I apologize. Yeah. Well, you could have gotten you know, like Tiago. You got yeah. Martin Williams, and he's, he's fine, right? He's a pretty <laughs> he, solid he, player for the Utah Jazz right now. So right, he, he? he exists. So that's true. <laughs> oh, I agree really, with you. Person, so. I agree. <laughs> he could have gotten Rashad McCants. I mean, it could have been uh, Sean May. I mean, there, there are plenty of terrible players you could have got. But no, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Chris, yeah, sorry, I apologize. But yeah, but Bogut, not bad. I mean, I, I at the time I remember that being a big debate about him. But uh, a, a guy that I think you know I, fit well in Milwaukee when he did. And like you're saying, a lot of you know a lot of production until the injuries kind of caught up. So no, I, I, I'm okay with that pick. I think that's not a bad one. But uh, Chris Paul might have been better. But Marvin Williams is obviously the worst pick of all time. So. Yeah, right, exactly. So, uh, <laughs> unquestionably, the worst pick ever. So. Uh, unquestionably, yes. uh, 2006 Toronto Raptors. Andrea Bargnani um, looked at one point like, okay, maybe he'll figure it out, but it never really happened. And then things got really depressing once he went to the uh, Knicks. So, yeah, we uh, just not talk about that. <laughs> yeah, we don't want to. We, don't wanna we have too anybody. many Knicks fan uh, listeners. They would. Uh, not yeah, we, we don't that, want. So. You know, things have been going well for them. We don't want to make their pain any worse. So, I mean, we'll I, enjoy, I take great pleasure in their pain, but other well, than, right, you know. right, yeah. So we'll move on to feel good story of Greg Oden with the Portland Trailblazers. No, God, it's a terrible. We got a bad yeah. run here. Jeez. Yeah, well, I mean, Oden was very good when he actually played, but unfortunately was limited to uh, play very little uh, for the um, litany of injuries for the Blazers. It played basically the equivalent of one full season for them, um, and then did manage after three years, managed to come back and played um, a bit with the uh, Miami Heat in LeBron's last season there, and um, uh, didn't produce a whole lot but it was just nice to see him on the court and, and be healthy and um and so forth unfortunately he's also had some personal um issues and domestic violence situation and you know i, I um i'm an ohio state person as you know rich and most people listening probably know and was you know, excited for him coming out and you know obviously unfortunately disappointing for him for his uh, career but hopefully uh you know um hopefully he'll turn things around he seems like a despite the uh off court issues that he's had he has always seemed like a nice guy and hopefully that's actually true yeah, and, and Rizzo's history will say, oh, man, Durant, I mean, how could you pass up on Durant? But, I mean, Odin was an absolute monster when he got on the court. And, and a guy, yeah. of course, we, we're remembering the times. Of course, now in today's NBA, of course, you wouldn't pick a guy like a, a Greg Odin, number one. But yeah. even then, I mean, 2007, we're still talking about a time when it's like, this guy is huge. He's dominant. You know, he could score, you know, close to the basket and get every rebound. And it was just health. I mean, it really was. I mean, he was productive anytime he got on the court until, you know, he just couldn't walk anymore. And then uh, his production fell off. But even then, like, you, there were still those little spurts where he'd come back and it'd be like, oh, man, here, great, here we go. 
Greg Oden, and then he just could never stay on the court for any length of time. So, you know, of course, the revision history will always say, oh, God, how do you pass up on Durant? That's a, you know, all-time great player or whatever. But at the time, I, I remember being in the camp of, like, no, you got to get a guy like a Greg Oden. I mean, that, that that's a guy who comes around once in a lifetime. It just so happened we didn't know that Kevin. I mean, Kevin Durant was, like, this skinny, like, he still is. You know, he's this skinny, like, what are you doing? You're shooting threes, and you're, like, seven-foot type of guy. But it ended up working out pretty well, so. Yeah, I mean, I, obviously, I mean, I think people realized Durant was going to be likely to be special, but I, I think that um, Odin was just somebody who it looked like on the um, defensive end could really, you know, just make a huge difference and be a you know, really could have been a game changer defensively and could yeah. have really been, been a very, you know, could have been a Hall of Fame level player. I think you had had the potential to do that. I mean, obviously, it would it would have taken a long successful career, but I think he had that level of talent. Um, and obviously, the injuries just uh, you know made things work terribly. So next, uh, not, not, not super, uh, not, not super exciting. Derek Rose, uh, 2008. Uh, <laughs> it gets better uh, soon. We promise. We won't depress any other fan bases here. <laughs> was an excellent player for a short time, but then of course felled by uh, injuries. Won the MVP. Uh, interestingly, uh, may, may not may become the first MVP uh, since Bob McAdoo not not to make the Hall of Fame, which would be you know pretty incredible. But yeah, I, I wrote an article about that uh, for uh, Heart of Roxism when we were uh, housed there, and yeah, it was kind of interesting. Is is like yeah. It, it, I heard that question posed by somebody and I kind of thought about it. I was like, oh, geez, yeah, that's true. He is like he, he would probably be. Uh, yeah, I, I think unquestionably will probably be the only MVP ever, to, you know, to not make the Hall of Fame. So it's 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 very interesting. It's very fascinating, too. Uh, it, it, who knows? I mean, yeah, the trajectory that he's on now. I mean, I don't think he's a Hall of Famer, but it's hard to say. I don't know. But uh, yeah, it'd be it'd be it'd be shocking if he did make it at this point. It'd just be shocking again to have an MVP not make it. But that's yeah. unfortunately what happens when, you, you know, you're, you're great at, you know, 22 and then you kind of injuries. Uh, derail you from there and you never kind of get it back uh, at any point yeah and then the more recent draft picks uh 2009 blake griffin 2010 john wall with the wizards 2011 kyrie irving with the Cavs, and 2012 um anthony davis with the hornets all uh, busts well, uh, every then, single one of them busts. Yeah. <laughs> right. the the then new orleans hornets now new orleans pelicans um yeah, I, those obviously all have been, you know, Davis is monstrously successful, and the other ones have been very good. Blake's been great, you know. Wall, um, yeah, I mean, Wall's been really good. I mean, maybe you, he might be the only argument of like maybe slightly underperform expectations. I think the other guys, and he's, he's still really good, and they're most important. Yeah, players. oh yeah, yeah, he's still yeah. great. I mean, that, that thing, those other guys are like Blake Griffin, obviously, you know, can propel that team and, and be a big part of that team being, you know, great. You know, Kyrie Irving, of course, you know, speaks for himself after the NBA Finals, of course. Anthony Davis, but yeah, John Wall is still like a guy that. You know, personally, I don't think he's he's you know, I've, I've, always, I've had debates with friends all the time about a John Wall or whatever, but he's still like as an overall pick. I mean, that's still a guy that you're not really disappointed by that guy being your number one overall pick. I mean, it, it could be well worse than that. And he, he's fine. He's a solid, solid player, you know, a dynamic, great player that, that you look at and go, OK, at, at some point, if we get maybe the right people around him, he can be good. But yeah, by himself, I mean, he's fine. Absolutely a fine player and fine number one pick. So, yeah. Um, so 2013, uh, Anthony Bennett. Yeah, things did did not start well for him, and and, and pretty much got worse throughout the. Uh, you know, it didn't really get any better. No, that's uh, yeah. The, the he famously started his career, and I, I know if anybody who was around this was a big thing, and then unfortunately, like the fans caught onto it too, which was terrible. He started his career 0 of 15. Uh, his first game, he was 0 of 5, then he was 0 of 3, and then it just kept going on for there. He made his first NBA shot in his fifth game. His fifth game. Uh, and he was one for five that game. So at the end of that game, he was one of 20 in his NBA career. Uh, did not. I mean, that's when you pretty much everybody kind of went, oh, no, this is not going to go well, is it? But uh, there was still hope. He had his first double digit scoring game, uh, 33 games into his career. Uh, but then it just never got together. There was issues about his work ethic. There just it, it never, ever, ever seemed to flow uh, very well with Anthony Bennett. Now, as we mentioned, he's you know cut from his fourth NBA team. Uh, just 23 games played this year. Five point zero points per game. Three point four rebounds per game uh, for the worst team in the league uh with pretty much the least amount of talent so that uh that's not good <laughs> when, that, when you're when you're cut from the worst team that has no talent uh it might be the end of the road for you so yeah and then uh since 2014 uh, the cavaliers selected andrew wiggins of course he went to the timberwolves they joined a year later by carol anthony towns um you know those seem like good building blocks although wiggins uh, oddly has just really terrible adv- advanced stats uh and uh, he scores pretty well but other than that um his, you know at least production wise seems to uh be limited but you know he's still obviously very young so we'll see how he develops there um 
Cat's obviously been been very good, and then Ben Simmons with a 76 has not played a game yet, but you know, so we'll see how things go with him. Uh oh, could name another, could add another one to the list. We'll, uh oh, we'll have to Perhaps. update. We'll Perhaps. update in three years. Let's make a hot take in three years and decide if he's a bust or not. So, uh, but right. I think I think we should definitely do that. That's the Fair responsible enough. thing to do for this podcast, of course. Now, we'll sounds good. Well, uh, everyone, thanks for uh, checking us out. You can find us at the step back at fansided.com. You can also find us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Just search for Over and Back. Find us on Twitter and Facebook at Over and Back. And uh, thanks for listening. We'll be back again soon. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.